Thank you for listening to the podcast of Bible Baptist Church. Please visit our website at www.southbaybbc.org for more information. Verse number one begins with that phrase, to everything there is a season. Life is full of seasons. The years are full of seasons. You know, just today I was thinking about the weather today and how nice it is and how beautiful it is. And, and uh, now it feels like spring is finally here. You know, in March it's, you know, it's supposed to be spring, but it kind of didn't really feel like spring. But now it feels like, oh, we are in the spring season. And it's a new season here. The sun is shining, the weather's warmer, and uh, not so much rain, it seems like. And, and the Bible makes it clear that while we have four seasons in a year, in life we can have many different seasons. And he begins to describe some of these seasons, a time to be born and a time to die. There is a beginning and an ending to everything. Of course, we know in our personal lives there is a beginning and an end. There is a day we are born and a day in which we will die. But really, in everything in life, there is a beginning and an ending, a beginning to nations and an end to nations, a beginning to kind of eras and generations and an end to eras and generations and, and uh, different times and periods. He continues a time to plant and a time to pluck up that which is planted. Of course, this is dealing with, you know, farmers and gardens and things like that. And you'll know that there's a time when you plant and then there's a time where, you know what, it's time to change it up, to rip it out, to pull it out and do something different. In verse three, it says a time to kill and a time to heal, a time to break down and a time to build up. There are times when we repair things and fix things and try to make it last a little bit longer and then there are times when you just have to tear the whole thing down and start over again and uh, just break the whole thing down you have a building that you repaired and it was okay and then you know what now it's time let's just demolish the whole thing and let's build something new build something from scratch again in verse number four it says a time to weep and a time to laugh a time to mourn and a time to dance you know, it would be nice if it were laughing season all the time, right? Wouldn't, wouldn't that sound great? Wouldn't it be nice? You know, it seems like that would be the reasonable thing that we would all desire to be in the joyful, laughing, rejoicing, you know, having a good time season all the time. But the Bible says that there is a season for weeping. There is a season for mourning. There is a purpose to it. Later in the book of Ecclesiastes, he says, it is better to go to the house of mourning than to the house of feasting. For that is the end of all men, and the living will lay it to heart. He says, it's good to go to the house of mourning because you learn more from mourning than you do from laughing. In sports, they say that you learn more from losing than you do from winning. It's kind of a similar situation. Sorrow is better than laughter, for by the sadness of the countenance, the heart is made better. The heart of the wise is in the house of mourning, but the heart of fools is in the house of mirth. There's a, there's a time for every season. And sometimes we would love for it to be sunny and sunshiny all the day long, every single day, warm weather. But there is a time for clouds and rain. 
many of you know that I grew up in the Seattle area, lived there for about 20 years, and I, you know, I moved there when I was a little kid, and when you're a little kid, life is just life. You don't think about what the weather should be like, you just know this is what the weather is, and it was cloudy and damp and drizzly and rainy a lot, uh, but I thought nothing of it, and you know, growing up, it was just a part of life, and you just get used to it. You buy clothes that facilitates living in that sort of environment, and then you know, I moved away, went to Bible college, and God took me to different places, and now God has brought me here. And here in Southern California, I moved because, and, you know, I was kind of excited. I was like, this is a place of sunshine and dreams coming true, you know? And so I thought, yeah, all right, let's, let's go. And so I, I was excited. But when I moved, I moved uh, six years ago, and uh, before I moved, there have been things in the news across the nation about how Southern California was in a drought, you know, we, we need more rain, and I came, and, and I thought, what are you people talking about? It was like every week it was raining, and I was like, you know, there's no drought in Southern California, and it was kind of like uh, this year, and, uh, you know, I came, and when I came, I never heard so many people saying things like, wow, I'm so glad for the rain. You know, growing up in Seattle, nobody ever said that. <laughs> nobody ever said, wow, I'm glad it's raining today. You know, if anything, they would complain about it. You know, oh, it's raining again. You know, it was like, well, you live in Seattle. You should expect that. And when I came here, I met a lot of people that would say things like, oh, you know what? I love the rainy weather. You love the rainy weather? What are you talking about? And but living here for a little while, you know, for the last, you know, five or so years, there was not a lot of rain, you know, through the winter season, you know, when typically you would see rain, you know, it would just rain just a little bit, just a handful of times. And then, you know, the drought talk started, you know, building and more and more people. And then this whole last couple of months, right, it's been raining and raining and raining and raining and raining. And the talks of people saying things like, oh, we needed the rain, began to come again. And it's a good reminder, you need the rainy seasons. Maybe we have more fun in the sunshine, but you need the rainy seasons as well. That's what Solomon is kind of saying. In verse number five, he says, a time to cast away stones and a time to gather stones together. They lived in a farming society here, and most people were farmers. And if you're farmers, one of your big uh, jobs is to pull the stones out of the field, right? If you have a little garden, you'll know. If you have a big rock or boulder right in the middle of your garden, that's going to kind of hinder the growth. And so you would pull the stones away. So there's a time for you to pull the stones away. But if you go back to, like, uh, Israel and things like that, and you see a lot of those uh, buildings and walls and structures that have been around for a long time, you know what they're made out of? They're made out of stones. The very things that they pulled out of the fields, they're now using to build up. There's a time when this, you look at a stone and you say, get out of here, I don't need you. But then there are other times where, get over here, I need you. He says there's a time to embrace and a time to refrain from embracing. We might say it this way, there's a time to say hello and a time to say goodbye. There's a time when you build a new friendship and for whatever reason, there are times when you go your different directions and you find new friends and you're going in, in different places. Verse number six, a time to get and a time to lose, a time to keep 
and a time to cast away. There's a time to get something new and there's a time to get rid of things. I remember when, uh, when we moved from, uh, from New Jersey to here, you know, we had all of these things and we were trying to pack everything in there. And then as we went through our stuff, we were like, why do we have this? Why do I have this? And, you know, we started throwing things away, getting rid of things. There's a time to get things and there's a time to get rid of things. There's a time to rend and a time to sow, a time to keep silence and a time to speak. Uh, being in a, a home where, you know, my wife, she sews things together. You know, I, I buy clothes and I buy shirts and, and different things like that, dress pants and things, and, and I wear them. And, you know, uh, what happens is at some point they get old, right? You get a stain or you get caught on something and it tears the fabric or it just kind of fades a little bit or, you know, you have different reasons. I used to just throw everything away, but now what I do is I give it to my wife. And what my wife does is she says, oh, you know what, I might be able to do something with this. And so she'll cut the fabric and make something for our kids. You know, she'll make a little clothes for our kids or an apron or, or different things, you know. And, and so there's a time where you, you fix the clothes, but there's a time when you take the clothes and you cut it up. There's different seasons, a time to love and the time to hate, <coughs> a time of war and a time of peace. Of course, we don't like war. We don't like this, the conflict and the battles. But sometimes there is a, a need for that. Sometimes there is a time for that. But you don't want it always to be wartime. You need peacetime as well. But if you're only in peacetime, that probably means you're not standing up for your nation and for your people. You're just giving in to the nations around you. So there is a time for each of these things. And Solomon mentions that he sees all of these different seasons, and he says in the very beginning, there is a time to every purpose under the heaven. Seasons are not just coincidental, they are purposeful. God puts seasons in your life for a reason. You'll go through different stages in life for a reason. In verse number nine, he says, What profit hath he that worketh in that wherein he laboreth? I have seen the travail which God hath given to the sons of men to be exercised in it. He hath made everything beautiful in his time. The idea here is that Solomon is not saying, well, what's the point of doing anything? What's the point of working? What he's saying is, what's the point in going against the season that God has put you in? He's saying, see what season God has put you in and follow the season. Find the purpose that God has given to you in your season and go with that. Go with God's timing. Go with the season that you are in. Solomon affirms here in these verses, in this chapter, that God is at work in our lives in every season. And there is a reason for the seasons that you have. And all of these seasons come from God. They are allowed by God. And if you would go with God, he would bring good out of it. Sometimes we can desire things in the wrong season. Sometimes we can try to do things at our own timing. But that's a mistake. 
you know, when I was in New Jersey, uh, you know, we, we have the full four seasons in New Jersey, right? You know, in Seattle, I grew up, we had two seasons. We had rainy season and we had dry season. You know, here in California, it's kind of similar. You have sunny season for most of the year, and then you kind of have a rainy season here and there. Uh, in New Jersey, you'd have the full four seasons. You know, you would have in the fall, you would have, you know, the, the trees, they would have their leaves turn different colors, and then you'd have to rake it all in. And then in the wintertime, it would get cold and it would snow. And you'd have to shovel all of the snow. And then in the spring, you'd get the rains and... And so you'd have to deal with the rains. And then the summertime, it would be warm and it would be nice. Sometimes it would get hot and humid. But you'd have different seasons. And the plants follow the seasons. When it gets cold in the wintertime, you can see they begin to shed their leaves and they begin to go dormant. And then in the springtime, then the leaves begin to reappear. Then the flowers begin to bloom. And then from the flowers getting, you know, pollinated, then the fruit begins to grow. And then as the fruit begins to grow, then harvest season comes. And that's the exciting time, right? You want to go, you know, pick some apples. You have a little garden. You get to grow the fruit and pull the fruit. And you have all of these different things. That's exciting. But if you want the fruit, you have to harvest in harvest season. You don't get to choose when the fruit comes out. If you want the fruit, you wait for the season and then you go there. You wait for that. You follow the seasons. And the same idea is true for us that we need to follow the seasons. And if we will follow the seasons, God will bring the fruit. If we will be patient, if we will listen to God, if we will go with God and not resist the season that we are in, if we go with the season, then God will bless it that God will do something in it, that God is working in every season. See, plants, they're not doing nothing all year long and it's just in harvest season. Suddenly they're working hard and the fruit comes out. They're working hard all year long. You know, in the fall time when it gets cold, they begin to pull everything down into the roots. And so when in the springtime, when it gets warm again, they pull everything up and they begin to make the, the leaves and then they begin to make the flowers and then begin to make the fruit. There is labor going on in every season. And if we would labor according to God's labor, the fruit will appear. So I do want to ask every one of us this morning, what season has God put you in? What season has God placed you in this morning? Everybody is in a different season of life. That's why sometimes, you know, it can be uh, people get frustrated because they're comparing themselves with somebody else. Well, you're comparing maybe your winter season with somebody else's summer season. But the, the, the seasons and the cycles, they come and go. And so we need to appreciate the season that we're in because we're all in different seasons, different stages of life. And remember that every stage has a purpose. Every season has a reason and every moment has meaning if you follow God. You know, this morning we have some, you know, teenagers here. And, you know, I remember when I was a teenager, uh, you know, everybody wanted to grow up. You know, we all wanted to have cars and we all wanted, you know, to have jobs so that we could have money. And we all wanted to, you know, be able to say, you know what, I don't have to follow the bedtime. I can go to sleep whenever I want, you know, and I don't have to wait for mom and dad. I can go out and, and do different things. And, you know, I, I can't wait to be able to be 16, 17, 18 years old and finally call the shots and do what I want. 
Well, be careful. Because when you become an adult, rent is no longer free. You have to pay for it. Right? Now you're paying hundreds, thousands of dollars to live somewhere. Right? Then you got to pay for your car. You have to pay for your insurance. You have to pay for your food. Food isn't free anymore. You have to go earn the money. Then you have to go to the store. You have to think, what am I going to make? You have to buy all of those things. Then you have to make the food. And then you have to clean up after you eat the food. And, and all of those things. It was nice when somebody would pay for my rent. And somebody would take care of all of these things. And I didn't have to worry about any of it. And then when you become single, you think, oh, you know what? Uh, I, I can't wait till I'm married. And, and th then that will be perfect. And Marriage is a wonderful thing, but just be careful because when you're married, you don't get just to do whatever you want, whenever you want. Who said yep? <laughs> but it's true. It is absolutely true, right? And you have to coordinate things. You can't just stay up late and stay late at work and do whatever you want and just, you know, spontaneously decide, you know what, I'm going to go do this thing. Hey, let, you know, you, you have to think about these things. And then, of course, when you get married, you know, we, we think about having kids. I love my kids. I have two kids, and we got one on the way. It's exciting. I love it. But, boy, that changes your life a lot. And it's wonderful. And then you might think, you know, oh, I can't wait. You know, one day my kids will grow up, and finally I can do what I want again. And then you're at home and wondering, where is everybody? <laughs> you know, you're, where, you know, you're calling, you know, where, oh, I want to see the grandkids and you're looking for different people. And, you know, every season has something where you'll be like, I wish there was something else. I wish I could have this. But also in every season, there are blessings. In every season, there are burdens. In every season, there is a purpose from the Lord. And God wants us to follow his seasons, the seasons that he gives to us. In verse number 11, he says, I have seen the travail which God hath given to the sons of men to be exercised in it. He hath made everything beautiful in his time. Not my time, not your time, in his time. We don't always understand why God does what he does, but he has a reason for it. God has a timing. God has a schedule. God sees all of the world, and he sees all of time, and seeing all of those things with his infinite knowledge and wisdom, he has created his own schedule, his own timing putting different seasons into different people's lives for different reasons at different times, but all according to his timing. So let's follow his timing. And I want to see three results when we follow the timing of the Lord. The first is, in God's timing, there is a beautiful creation. We read the verse there, verse number 11. He hath made everything beautiful in his time. We, can see, we can't see the beginning from the end like God. 
We can't see where this is all going, but God does. God sees everything, and he knows what season is coming next. You know, sometimes our lives can feel like, you know, going to Ikea, and you go buy one of these big things, and you pull it out, and you pull all the parts apart, and you're like, what is this? You know, what am I supposed to do? What, you, know, and for, you know, hopefully you look at the end picture before you buy the thing, but if, if you didn't see that end picture, and you just looked at all of the parts, you're like, what is this? What am I supposed to do with it? What, what even is this? Sometimes that's the way life can feel, and you begin to like say, okay, this is what I'm supposed to do. This is what I'm supposed to do. Okay, uh, all right. It doesn't really look like anything. It doesn't really look like anything I would want or anything that I could use. But when God puts everything together, at the end, there is a beautiful creation. And when you consider many of the men and women of the Bible people that we look up to, people that we admire, people that we think we should be like that. We should do what they did. Many of them had to wait on the timing of the Lord. They didn't just get what they wanted when they wanted it. They waited on the Lord. Consider somebody like Abraham. You know, we, don't, we, we see Abraham later on in the story. He was maybe around 65 or so when we, when we see him enter into the story in the book of Genesis. But I'm sure that Abraham and Sarah got married with the same kind of ideas that every one of us, when we got married, we all thought the same way. You know, we fell in love. We loved this person. We were excited about getting married with this person, living life together, having kids and growing up and growing old and, and uh, doing all of these things together. I'm sure that they had all of the same desires, the same hopes and aspirations that every single one of us, and, and they had desires to have a child, but the Bible makes it very clear they had no child. And they were getting older, past the years of having a child. Of course, I'm sure that they would have loved to have a child. They both desired to have children. Later, God promised to them that they would have a child. But even after he promised them that they would have a child, they had to wait year after year after year after year, decade after decade after decade of waiting. Now, they made some mistakes along the way, but God reassured them, I'm giving you a child. And you remember at one point, Sarah laughed within her heart. She said, a child? <laughs> no way. I mean, maybe before there was like a statistical possibility. Maybe I might have a child, but now the, the odds have, are not 0.001%. They're at zero. That's what, he, that's what she thought. She laughed within her heart. Remember God said to Abraham, did Sarah just laugh? And Sarah said, no, I didn't laugh. And God said, no, but you did laugh because God knows all things. God knows what's in your heart. After she had the child, Abraham is 99, Sarah is 90. When God says, you're going to have a child by next year. After she has the child, the Bible says in Genesis 21, Sarah said, God hath made me to laugh so that all that hear will laugh with me. And she said, who would have said unto Abraham that Sarah should have given child, children suck? For I have borne him a son in his old age. Isn't it interesting the way that she phrases it? God made me to laugh. Well, of course, God didn't make her to laugh. But God put her in that situation where she felt like there, there's no, there's, 
uh, there's nothing to do but laugh at what God had just said. God made me to laugh, but did you hear what she said? So that all that hear will laugh with me. There's a greater joy that came in Sarah's heart because of all that she went through, all that she saw, all that she experienced. Remember Joseph? Remember Joseph had these dreams that everybody would bow down to him, his brothers would bow down, bow down to him, his son, or uh, his father and his mother would bow down to him, their son, and his brothers didn't like that, right? If you have brothers, you know that, right? If your brother says you're going to bow down to me, I don't think so, <laughs> right? He had a lot of brothers, you know, 10 older brothers. They didn't like that. They sold him into slavery, sold him into slavery, took him down to Egypt, served Potiphar, did nothing wrong, did, did the very best that he could in a terrible situation. Potiphar's life, wife lied about him, and he got put in prison. He got put in prison. He was doing good for people there, having the best spirit, having the best attitude. And then some people come, the baker and the butler, he interprets their dreams, and then they forget about him. Finally later, two years after that, finally, Pharaoh has a dream. They remember, he goes back, and he becomes second in command in Egypt. His family, after the years of the famine, they come and they do eventually all bow down before Joseph. But it took a while. It took a long time. Not only that, I think if you were to ask Joseph, would you voluntarily leave your family in order to go into Egypt? He surely would have said, no. In Genesis chapter 50, this was Joseph's conclusion about his life. And Joseph said unto them, Fear not, for am I in the place of God? But as for you, ye thought evil against me, but God meant it unto good, to bring it to pass as it is this day to save much people alive. See, Joseph had a winter season, if you will, for a long time but sold into slavery, serving Potiphar, in prison for 13 years. It was a long time. But Joseph, looking back, realized God meant it for good. God did something through all of that. God put me in the place that I needed to, in, it needed to be in order to do what God wanted me to do. And we all have different seasons. And many ways and many times we don't know exactly why the seasons come when the seasons come but god wants us to know that god is working in every season god doesn't abandon us in the winter only to return in the spring he's there in the winter season just as he is in the spring season just as he is in the summer and just as he as he is in the fall and if we ignore the timing of God, we will miss the working of God. Because the Bible says, he hath made everything beautiful in his time. If you miss the timing of God, you'll miss the beautiful creation of God. And I, we don't know why God does things when he does them, but there is good that comes out of it. When my wife and I, we got married, uh, we talked about our future and our family together, just as young married couples do. And uh, naturally, one of the conversations was about having kids. 
and uh, we talked about how many kids that we wanted to have together. And so we, we, we talked about different numbers, you know, and, you know, we jokingly, you know, gave outlandish numbers. But, you know, we kind of talked about having, you know, three or four kids, you know. Uh, I grew up in a family where we, we have three kids. You know, I have an older brother and a younger sister. There's three of us. And so I thought at least having three would be nice. You know, four would be great. Four would be wonderful. But, uh, but you know, as the saying goes, you have one child at a time. Right? So you have one child, and then before you can have the second child. And so, uh, you know, when we found out that we were having our first child, we were, we were thrilled. We were excited, you know, when, when my wife uh, was pregnant, expecting our first child. And so people asked us, do you want a boy or a girl? Okay. And uh, so my wife said that she wanted a boy. I said I wanted a girl. Okay. I don't know why, but I wanted a girl. And so we both prayed. <laughs> and we got a girl. And I was thrilled. But you know, I want a boy too. And so when we found out that we were having another child, uh, we uh, said, you know, hey, that's exciting. You know, I, I want a boy, you know, and I prayed for a boy. But, you know, we, uh, we got another girl and praise the Lord. You know, we love our kids. We love both of our kids. Okay. Uh, but we still wanted three kids. And so after we had our second, we were praying for a third. We've been praying for a third and asking God for a third. And, uh, Month after month, maybe next month. Month after month, we prayed. Month after month, we said, maybe next time. Maybe next month. And uh, I know that we're not, we're not old. But when it comes to having kids, there's a, there's a season where the windows open and then the window closes, right? And so we thought, you know, maybe we're, anything is possible, of course we know. You know, God gave Sarah a child when she was 90. Okay, I hope we don't have to wait that long. Okay. God could do anything, we understand, but God has also designed a general kind of season, you know, a childhood season, an adult season, a childbearing season, you know, different seasons. That's how God designed it. God made it. God can make exceptions to his own rules, but, you know, we understand just the nature of what God did and how God designed us. And so we thought, well, you know, maybe, maybe that window closed. We don't know. We are now expecting our third after years of, you know, several years of praying. And we're excited. We're thrilled. We don't know a boy or girl. We don't know that, but we're excited. We're thrilled. Now, if it were up to me, we would have already had our third if it were up to me. But that was not God's timing. Now, why did God choose to delay the season beyond what I would have chosen? I don't know. But I know a few things. I know that my wife and I, we are more grateful for our third because we had to wait for it. Because we didn't know if we would have it. If we wouldn't, we didn't know if a third was even coming. There was no guarantee. We were not promised like Abraham, you know, you're going to have a son. We weren't promised that. We, we didn't know. And so maybe if we would have just had the third right away when we wanted it, it would have been like, oh yeah, of course, we expected the third. But now we're thinking maybe we're, you know, we're not entitled to having a third, but I'm definitely more grateful for this third. I think gratitude is a beautiful thing that God created. I think understanding that I have to submit myself to God's timing is a good thing. To understand I don't always get what I want. 
And I don't always get what I want when I want it. Sometimes you have to wait for the thing that you want. Sometimes you have to wait according to God's timing. Sometimes you don't even get those things that you desire, but just trust the Lord and his timing. Because in God's timing, there's a beautiful creation. In God's timing, there's also a bountiful cheer in verse number 12. I know that there is no good in them, but for a man to rejoice and to do good in his life. And also that every man should eat and drink and enjoy the good of all his labor. It is the gift of God. See, God desires that we would rejoice in every season. I mentioned that there are burdens in every season. There are also blessings in every season. And if you're not careful, the burdens can overshadow the blessings. And the problems that are in the season can dominate your thinking. And, and we can gain a complaining spirit about why this is not the case. And, and when will we be able to move on to the next season? But God desires that we would rejoice and have joy in every season. We can rejoice when we recognize the gift that God gives to us. Also that every man should eat and drink and enjoy the good of all his labor. It is the gift of God. The season that you are in is a gift from the Lord. It's a gift from God. The fact that you are here today is a gift from God. The fact that we have made it to where we are is a gift from God. And recognizing what we have as a gift from God allows us to rejoice. Understanding the season is not a burden, but a blessing. It is a gift. God has given to us a gift. Every good and perfect gift is from above. We can rejoice when we rely upon God. In verse number 14, it says, I know that whatsoever God doeth, it shall be forever. Nothing can be put to it, nor anything taken from it. When we follow God's timing, we follow God's working. And what God does is lasting. God builds permanent things. He does not make disposable things. And so we can rejoice when we understand God is working in the season that I'm in, and I will follow his working. And we can rejoice no matter the season that we're in when we remember the goal. Every season has a purpose. The rainy season has a purpose. You need the rainy season, just like you need the sunny season. You need both of those seasons. So what is the purpose to every season? Well, on a smaller scale, specifically, there might be different things. In general, though, God gives us the reason in verse 14. I know that whatsoever God doeth, it shall be forever. Nothing can be put to it, nor anything taken from it. And God doeth it that men should fear before him. See, if we understand the purpose of the season, then we can rejoice in it when God does that thing. If we understand the purpose of the seasons that we're in, no matter the season that you're in, is so that you would fear God. Whether you're in a sunshiny season or a rainy season, to understand God wants me to fear him. In the good times, in the bad times, God wants me to fear him. Now, sometimes when things go so well, we leave God. And God says, all right, it's time to bring the rainy season around so that you'll remember to fear me. 
Sometimes God does bring those things so that we would remember to fear him. And that, that can be a good thing for us to remember that, for us to acknowledge that. It's good for us to fear him. Proverbs chapter 1 says, The fear of the Lord is the beginning of knowledge, but fools despise wisdom and instruction. If you want to be wise, you must have the fear of the Lord. How does God put the fear of the Lord in us? Through different seasons, through the different ups and downs, through the different stages of life. Thirdly, we see in God's timing, there's a blessed contentment. God desires for us not to rush through the season that we're in, but to be content where we are, with what we have, with what God is doing. Content in God's requirements. That which hath been is now, and that which is to be hath already been, and God requires that which is past. I'll be honest, when I read this, I thought, what does that mean? <laughs> you ever read the Bible and think, okay, I know what the words say, but I don't know what it means. That which hath been is now, and that which is to be hath already been, and God requireth that which is past. Okay, God, what are you trying to say? Every year, generally speaking, we have four seasons. Spring, summer, fall, and winter. After the winter returns to spring, summer, fall, and winter. It's a cycle. You know the season that's coming next because the season has already been before. You've seen that season before. And now you know it'll be coming again. It's cyclical. Every season is for a limited duration. The season you're in is not forever. You're not always going to be where you are. Where, where you are. God will move you through different seasons. You know, the obvious ones are when you're a child and then you become an adult, and then when you're an adult, you get married, and then you have kids, and then, you know, th those are obvious cycles, but there are other cycles as well. Spiritual cycles, some cycles where you're, you're serving and you're getting out there and you're doing all these things. There are cycles when you're witnessing and people are getting saved and great things are happening. You're excited. People are coming to the church. You're being able to disciple people. And then there are seasons where you're sowing and sowing and sowing and sowing and nothing's growing. There's different seasons that you go through, different seasons in your life. Also, we can be content because we know my seasons aren't uh, going to stay forever. And other people's seasons won't be forever. Sometimes it's easy for us to look at other people's seasons and be jealous of what they have. But just know that they go through the same cycle of seasons that you do. They have great days and they have difficult days. They have great weeks and difficult weeks, diff difficult years and, and, and wonderful years. Also be content in God's ruling. In verse number 16, Moreover, I saw under the sun the place of judgment that wickedness was there, and the place of righteousness, that iniquity was there. I said in my heart, God shall judge the righteous and the wicked, for there is a time there for every purpose and for every work. Just understand, no one gets away with anything. There is a judging season that is coming for every one of us. And just because somebody looks like they're escaping the judgment for now, doesn't mean that judgment will not come. It's coming. 
just as surely as summer is going to come, just as surely as winter is going to come, judgment season will come. So you don't have to look at the world and people who look like they get to just have so much fun and enjoy all of the things of the world and and they get to seem to get away with everything. They can ignore God. They don't have to give their tithes. They don't have to serve. They don't have to witness. They don't have to obey God. They can do what they want, watch what they want, say what they want, do what they want, when they want to. I wish I could have that. Just know judgment season's coming. Nobody escapes judgment season. And Solomon said, judgment season will come. So follow God's timing. You don't have to worry about whether that season will come for them. It'll come. And so you might do your best to warn them. You might do your best to encourage them, but you don't have to be jealous of them. Proverbs chapter 15, verse number three, the eyes of the Lord are in every place beholding the evil and the good. Oh, God has his timing. We don't always know why God delays in his judgment, maybe just to show that he is merciful and loving and gracious. But that season will come. You don't have to be jealous of the world. You don't have to be jealous of the wicked. Just stay faithful to God and God will bless. You don't have to worry about what other people do or go through or how they even treat you. You can be content. Thirdly, we can be content in God's resurrection. In verse number 18, I said in my heart concerning the estate of the sons of men that God might manifest them and that they might see that they themselves are beasts. Animals is what he's saying. They live like animals. For that which befalleth the sons of men befalleth beasts. Even uh, one thing befalleth them, as the one dieth, so dieth the other. Yea, they have all one breast, so that one man hath no preeminence above a beast, for all is vanity. All go unto one place. All are of dust, and all turn to dust again. Who knoweth the spirit of man that goeth upward, and the spirit of the beast that goeth downward to the earth? Wherefore I perceive that there is nothing better than that a man should rejoice in his works, for that is his portion. For who shall bring him to see what shall be after him? If we live for this world, we are just animals. Just like the tigers, just like the bears, just like the sloths, we're no different. Because animals don't think about what happens to them after they die. They live, they survive until they die, and that's it. There's no more. There's nothing after that. But God says, we are not animals. We are created specially in the image of God. And it is required of man once to die, but after this, the judgment. There is something coming after. And God will not judge us according to how much money we had, how many vacations we took, the size of our home, the kind of shoes we wore, the brands that we have, God will not judge us according to that. God will judge us according to his word. God will judge us according to our obedience of it. God desires for everyone, first of all, to trust in Christ as their savior. That is the first judgment. God will ask you, what did you do with my only begotten son, Jesus Christ? Did you put your trust in him and in him alone. As the son of God, who is born of a virgin, 
who died on the cross for your sins and was buried, but three days later he rose again for the remission of sins so that we might be saved. That's the first judgment. Now, if you are saved, there's another different kind of judgment. There is a judgment for what did you do with what I gave you? Did you live for this earth or did you live for the world to come? And so while some may seem to be like, wow, I wish I had that person's life, just understand your time on earth, this season is short, but eternity is forever. You might think, oh, it's, I, I wish that I could have some. Don't worry. Heaven's coming. If you're saved, the resurrection's going to come. You won't be here on earth for very long. And all the burdens that you bear, all the suffering that you go through, it won't be for long. When you get to heaven, all of that will pass away. There is no more night. There is no more sorrow. There is no more death. Life on earth is short. But the season in heaven is forever. So live according to God's timing. Follow his seasons. Understand where God has put you. Follow the word of God based on where you are. And trust that the season, it will change. Ultimately, it will change if you've trusted Christ as your Savior when you get to heaven.